This podcast is brought to you by Proton Dealership IT, the cybersecurity and IT experts committed to keeping your dealership safe from cyber attacks. To learn more about how to better protect your dealership, go to info.protontex.com slash fish. That's I-N-F-O dot P-R-O-T-O-N-T-E-C-H-S dot com slash P-H-I-S-H. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, October 27th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Chicago. And I'm Jake Neer in Detroit in for Kellen Walker. Today on the show, the UAW and GM are in intensive talks to reach a deal, Cruise halts all driverless operations, and Ford says the UAW strike wiped out its third quarter net income. Plus, Christian Brothers Automotive has taken the top spot in J.D. Power's Customer Satisfaction Index for four straight years. CEO Donnie Carr joins the show to talk about why he thinks the key to good customer service is treating staff members well. If your team has a great experience, if you're loving on them well, if you're pouring into them, then their opportunity to, in return, give that to your guests is going to be that much better. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. The UAW met with General Motors into the early hours Friday morning, and the union submitted a new contract offer to the automaker. That's according to a source familiar with the negotiations who spoke with us at Automotive News. The UAW's latest proposal came after the union reached a tentative agreement with Ford on Wednesday that would raise wages 25% over the next four years and reinstate cost-of-living adjustments. GM and UAW negotiators were reconvening later on Friday after the all-night session with the hope of soon reaching a deal. The UAW also held lengthy talks Thursday with Stellantis. GM CEO Mary Barra and UAW President Sean Fain took part in the talks on Thursday. Sources said GM and the UAW were very close on economic topics, but some final issues, including the use of temporary workers, were still under discussion. You can find the latest on contract talks at autonews.com. Meanwhile, GM's robo-taxi unit Cruise has decided to pause driverless operations across its fleets. Cruise posted the news Thursday on X, formerly known as Twitter. The company said, quote, This isn't related to any new on-road incidents, and supervised AV operations will continue. Cruise said its priority is taking steps to rebuild public trust. Earlier this week, California's Department of Motor Vehicles suspended crews from operating driverless cars in the state. It accused the company of withholding crucial video of an accident involving a pedestrian. Federal regulators with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration have also opened an investigation into crews. Ford says the UAW's 41-day strike cost the automaker $1.3 billion, effectively wiping out its $1.2 billion in third-quarter net income. About $100 million of the strike's cost fell in the third quarter. A year earlier, Ford lost $827 million. The strike against Ford ended late Wednesday after it reached a tentative agreement with the union that gives workers 25% raises over the next four and a half years. During a call with investors on Thursday, Ford CEO Jim Farley called the situation challenging. The strength of our products and revenues and businesses definitely came through in our results. But at the same time, we were negatively impacted by the strike and our cost and quality remain a drag on our business. 
Ford says its third quarter adjusted earnings before interest and taxes rose 22% to $2.2 billion. Revenue rose 11% to $44 billion. CFO John Lawler said the automaker canceled production of 80,000 vehicles during the strike. Third quarter earnings results are also giving us a clearer look at the economic impact of the strike on suppliers. Lear said it had lost $170 million in sales from the strike, including $25 million in the third quarter. Despite that, the seating supplier saw higher sales and margins in the period and boosted its financial outlook. Lear reported that adjusted net income increased 21% to $170 million on sales of $5.8 billion. It also increased its full-year financial guidance. Part supplier Dana said today that its operations in North America were significantly impacted by the UAW strike. Dana supplies axles, drive shafts, and transmissions to GM, Ford, and Stellantis. It reported $65 million in lost sales in the third quarter because of the strike and said it anticipates a sales hit of about $185 million in October. And AutoNation's net income plunged 31% in the third quarter, continuing a trend in 2023 of double-digit declines. Revenue was up slightly, and new vehicle sales saw a robust increase, but gross profit from new and used vehicle sales again headed downward. Third quarter net income was about $244 million. That's down from about $353 million in the same time last year. AutoNation's revenue climbed 3% to almost $6.9 billion. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, recently Ford executive chair Bill Ford said that the company could barely afford the offer that it had given the union. This is before the strike ended. But on yesterday's earnings call, CEO Jim Farley and CFO John Lawler struck a very different, if not contradictory tone. Lawler said there was no doubt the company would remain profitable. What do you make of that? Well, I I think it's probably both true. Farley did say it was challenging, um, and they're going to have to find some cost savings to make up for this, you know, almost $1,000 per vehicle in extra cost, $850 to $900 per vehicle. You know, if everything else stayed the same, Ford's profitability would be pretty unacceptable, you know, for Bill Ford and not really enough for the company to keep investing in the future. He's not alone, though, right? Uh, Kumar Galhotra, who's now the COO, uh, was also out there saying, you know, that Ford was really stretched about as far as it could go. Uh, they can remain profitable, but they're going to have to find some savings in order to make up for those costs. I have a feeling this is an angle that we're going to be keeping note of in future earnings results going forward for the foreseeable future, I suppose. Absolutely. Coming up, Christian Brothers CEO Donnie Carr joins the show to talk about how the auto repair chain maintains such high marks for customer service. That's next on Daily Drive. Email phishing happens every day. Cyber criminals are out to trick your employees and coworkers into handing over valuable information that can compromise your dealership through impersonations, fake giveaways, and urgent emergency requests. All it takes is one click to shut down everything. Phishing is the leading cybersecurity concern for dealerships. Without the proper training and protection, your business is left vulnerable to ever-evolving attacks. 
one day you click an email and the next thing you know, you get a call from your IT guy. Your email has been compromised, shut down immediately. Stories of attacks and their consequences come flooding in every day. And all it takes is one click to shut down your dealership. You have enough to worry about as it is. Don't add getting hacked to the list. Let Proton Dealership IT help ensure you are fully protected and learn how at info.protontext.com slash fish. That's I-N-F-O dot P-R-O-T-O-N-T-E-C-H-S dot com slash P-H-I-S-H. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy. No more excuses. No more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Jake Neer. For four straight years, Christian Brothers has topped the J.D. Power Aftermarket Service Index Satisfaction Study. The chain of independent repair facilities has 277 locations across 30 states. Company leaders say it lives by the idea of treating customers like neighbors. CEO Donnie Carr spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Shine about why Christian Brothers' customer satisfaction scores go up while others drop. Donnie, thanks for joining me. Great to have you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Dan. I have to admit, you're CEO of Christian Brothers, a chain of auto repair shops, 277, I think, locations. That last count, 30 states. Uh, I'm in the Detroit area. It's not, there are not many locations around here. So I was, when I saw you at the top of the J.D. Power customer satisfaction, you know, index for four straight years, it kind of piqued my interest. And so tell me a little bit about how you are thinking that you're so successful in, when it comes to customer satisfaction. What's the kind of secret sauce that you've figured out? Great question, Dan. So I, I think it's in order to have great guest experience, you really got to take care of your people and your team. If your team has a great experience, if you're loving on them well, if you're pouring into them, then their opportunity to, to in return give that to your guests is going to be uh, that much better. And so we invest a lot of time and resources into the training of our team members uh, and really just talk through uh, what we consider the long game. You know, we're here to be the guide for our guests. We want them to know what's going on with their vehicle. But we want them to feel completely in control of making the decision uh, and that investment because it's it's one of the largest assets that, that our guests own, right? It's a, it's a very costly expense. And so we want them to feel educated uh, and we want them to feel like, hey, they're deciding, is this an investment they want to make moving forward in that vehicle? What's the long term plans for it? Are they planning to keep it for six months? Or are they giving it to their kid that's uh, going to turn 16 three years from now and they want to make sure it's running well? And so 
uh, re- really talk about the, the long term for them and, and create a relationship where this isn't a one-time service. This is something they can come back, feel trusted, uh, and, and know that they get to decide uh, on their vehicle. And the, the numbers don't lie. In the I think the 2023 J.D. Power uh, study, I think the average aftermarket customer satisfaction score was 789, down seven points. You guys were at 834, up nine points. Like I said, top of customer satisfaction in the last four years. So you're, you're doing something right. So franchisees um, must be Christian is kind of the uh, model, I guess. Uh, why did your father, when he started this company, why did he kind of start with that faith-based model? What was his interest in that? Yeah. So neat story. Uh, there was he and another gentleman that was uh, in, a, in a Bible study small group together. Uh, the other gentleman was a technician. He knew that my dad was kind of a serial entrepreneur. And he said, hey, would you help me start a business? And he said, sure. Uh, And so the two of them said, hey, what should we call them? Hey, we're brothers in Christ. So they called it Christian Brothers Automotive. Uh, And so started that very first location. Uh, I know they had no intentions of ever having a second location. Uh, And then eventually it wasn't until, first one started in 82. It wasn't until 1996 that the organization started franchising. And really, at the core of it was to give other people the opportunity that that my dad had had of what it was like to own your own small business and kind of be your own boss and and really get to set the culture and the vision for for that organization. And being a Christian based organization, do you get sometimes some pushback that this is kind of discriminatory? I may be of a different faith, but I'm interested in maybe being a franchisee, but I can't. Is I don't know how you deal with that or if you hear that complaint often yeah we we don't hear that complaint often dan you know we we have a lot of team members uh both at their home office and our in our locations that are that are not professing believers which we are great with uh we know that uh there's a lot of amazing people out there that are great at serving our guests uh, and they don't have to be a believer uh, in order to do that we do uh, at the very top at our franchise level want to make sure that we're aligned in that just as an organization but uh, it's not something that we we run into uh, very often. And do you think having that you know outward faith based model and you know vision? Do you think that maybe helps with customer customers who think that you know someone with you know who's a believer and a, a someone faith based will be trustworthy? Maybe more trustworthy than than a, a shop down the street. Do you think is that part of the success? Do you think? You know, to be honest, I actually don't think that it is. Uh, we we more often than not get that they think Christian is the last name, uh, which we're great with, right? We we'd much rather see them see our faith through our actions than they than we would them see it through our words. Uh, and I, I I do also think that there's there's a lot of people that are that are skeptical of hey when you put Christian on on your 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 business on your your business card whatever it is. Is, is it just a ploy to get you to trust them um, so they do business with you? And our preference is, hey, I, you know, 40 plus years ago, it got put on our building. And so we're going to represent that uh, the best that we can. We're still going to make mistakes and fall short. But we really want people to experience with the, with our actions and with how we serve them, that Christian aspect more so than we do want it to, to speak from our building. So you got a lot of look, two hundred seventy-seven locations. I think you know, growing all the time. You mentioned a little bit earlier about just kind of this rigorous training of, of franchisees. How do you kind of keep that that culture? And and you know, it must be difficult, I would think, to 
when you're that spread out and that big to still have that customer centric view and how do, how how do you make sure that the franchisee is going to kind of keep up with that kind of that vision that you want for them yeah i i think first and foremost it starts with who they are and one of the things that we look for the large majority i would say probably over 90 percent of our franchisees don't come from the automotive aftermarket uh, they come from places of management and leadership previously where they really care about serving and building people uh, and so that's what we want to make sure hey if you have that that desire and that skill and that ability, influence, servant leadership, grit, all of those things, then that's who we want to partner with because we know you're going to pour into your community and you're going to pour into your people. So that that's part of it. And then also, you know, we we have a large support staff here at the home office. So for every 1.8 locations we have, we have one person at our home office, which is definitely on the high side in the franchising industry. And so we have a lot of touch points. Not only do we train our franchisees, but we spend a lot of time helping their team members be successful, whether it's with what does the guest experience look like? What is leadership look like? We hold a conference every year for our top uh, service managers and technicians. We had over 450 people in Houston just over a month ago, just talking about what does it look like to do things with excellence? And I do in the article, it you know, also talked about just that, that mentorship that you have, you know, I think we quoted a, a franchise owner who, you know, when he was, you know, kind of new to it, you know, he had someone who'd been in a Christian brother franchisee longer who he could call. And he said, I think I called him every day saying, what do I do about this? How do I, you know? And so there's, you know, there's that mentorship as well. And it seems, and it's not just for maybe like the first six months, it, it just seems like it's a continuing ideal that you, you know, that you want and that we're always going to get to these franchisees are going to get together and they're going to, you know, put their heads together and, and kind of talk out problems and issues. And, I, you know, again, I think that goes a long way to, again, why you're so successful. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. So we, that's one of the amazing things is we, we can give a lot of great advice here from the home office, but our franchisees who are doing it day in and day out, they're also pouring into each other. Uh, and it's, it's amazing the amount of support they give each other, the amount of guidance they give each other, just the times when somebody, hey, I just lost a service manager and technician and someone flies that market to spend the week with them uh, to say, hey, let, let me help while I can. And so I, I think one of the unique things is that everyone has realized is that we all get better if we focus on those around us versus focus on ourselves. Uh, and that's and that's a big part of why we've had the opportunity to be successful. And also, it just reminded me of something that's interesting is that your franchisees, a lot of them aren't car people, as you would say, you know, they're, they come from different backgrounds, right? And they're not just, you know, people with motor oil under their fingernails. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're former bankers or, you know, middle management or salesmen and women, just all types of areas. And I think that's, you know, former IT people. So that's one of the unique things as well is, is you get a lot of skill sets from a lot of different arenas and they're bringing some of those best practices from other industries and from their experience outside of the aftermarket, uh, automotive aftermarket, which really helps us as well. And a final question, you're at 277. Where does Christian Brothers go from here? How how big do you think it could go? Yeah, so I, I will tell you, we, we kind of have a goal of, of 340 by the end of 2025, but we are much more focused on excellence than we are on quantity. Uh, one of my favorite brands is the Ritz-Carlton. They have just over 100 locations but they are world renowned for their guest service. Uh, and so we know, hey, you don't have to have 
you know, a thousand or 4,000 locations in order to be renowned for great guest service. And so we love to grow, but we'd much rather grow with excellence than we would grow with uh, quantity. Donnie, great conversation. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Dan. You have a wonderful day. Donnie Carr is the CEO of Christian Brothers Automotive, a chain of independent auto repair shops. He spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Thanks to our own Michael Martinez and Mark Holmer for their reporting for today's podcast. We also had reporting from Kurt Nagel of our sibling publication, Crane's Detroit Business. You can get the latest news on UAW contract talks, service and parts, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 